Hello? Hello? Is anyone there? Hello? We've got a new episode and a new guest. Mr. Craig A. Heidgerkin. You, you, you. Hello, sir. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing quite well. Thank you for being here. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Craig is a musician. He's a pretty... He's he's an okay guitarist. I'm all right, you know. No, he's pretty fucking great. What else do you do? Just guitar? Me? Oh, I play a little bit of bass. Okay. I feel like I'm a bass player. You were singing too, right? I sing. Yeah, he sings. I sing, I freestyle, and... uh, I play a tiny bit of piano for recording purposes. But that's Ooh, I, yes, yes. Very yeah. multi-talented individual. He plays with the Channel Cats. Do you play with any others? I've got a jazz quartet called Songbird Jazz Quartet with my wife, Beth Ann Heidgerken. Uh, and then I uh, have another band with my wife called The Bees. It's three women, uh, songwriters, harmonize, sing, and then Andy from the Candy Makers, and then myself, we back them up. like the. Nice. Fill it out. Fill nice. out the space. Here's the thought. Hey, you should have a you should start a reggae band and call it Craig A. Craig A <laughs> <laughs> That might be closer to the truth than you think. Yeah. Yeah. Hell Craig yeah. Enough. So Craig. uh now the channel cats, you guys uh started doing like a feature set thing. Yeah. On the Bent River, mm-hmm. Rock Island. What led to all that? What started that? How long? Well, did you originally that? it was uh, it was a jam. If I'm correct, it was a jam that was started by Ben Swanson. that used to live around here. Uh, drummer Leland Chasey, who's still in Channel Cats, and uh, Zach Johnson and Michael Brock. They just would do this total improv, three hour shows. You know, yeah, every yeah. week. It was open jam, and I'd start showing up, and. Uh, because they did the smart thing. They're like, it's a jam. Don't hire a guitar player because that's who's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I just started showing up. And I was like, man, I'm the only guitar player at this joint. <laughs> so then that following year, we kind of like kicked it up a little bit. And uh, we started doing features. I, that's a community building kind of exercise for everybody. You nice. Know? There's so much talent in the area. There's a fuck And ton. it's just like, and every, every day I learn about new people. And uh, just want to have a really easy access spot for people to come and do their stuff, to collaborate. I've had a couple people be like, well, we never made music together, but we can put a 30-minute set together and go do it and do something unique. Right, right. So it's uh, kind of the idea behind doing the feature thing is to, well, so we can do fun side projects right. for other people to do fun side projects. You and guys get legit. to just kick it and jam all night. Yeah. And it's just an excuse. That's all you wanted to do. Like, oh, we'll yeah. just have some features come in. It's just an excuse for yeah. us to jam. Yeah. <laughs> play, play with a lot of people and meet a lot of people. Right. Cause you never know enough of the local cats. You right. Know, it's like, oh, there's, wait, there's this guy over here. He's a singer. Oh, this girl, she raps. They're like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, now is it called WNOJ or whatever? Wednesday night open jam. Wednesday night open jam. So yeah, on Wednesdays all the time. Is it like you do just like once a month or? We actually do. Uh, we do every Wednesday night. Every Wednesday, except for January, February, uh-huh. we take a little hiatus. You know, we live in wait for Iowa. Th- wait for things to thaw out a yeah. little bit, and then we'll get back. <laughs> yeah, it's been crazy this year. So yeah, been lucky. So we just take off that. We're starting up again March 6th. Uh, and uh, we're doing a, one of my old bands are going to come back together with uh, a gentleman from the Dawn, Eric E. Dub Wilson, and a couple guys from Candy Makers. We had a band a couple years ago. Nice. March March 6th is the first feature. And then 
Start cranking them out every oh, week yeah. till the end of the year, nonstop. Yeah. So any artists out there, you need you want to play a show, get yeah, a come fucking talk to me. set. Talk to this guy right here, this gentleman. All kinds of genres. Any old. Well, that's thing. the point. That's yeah, the yeah. point. I'm just a player. I've always been like this as a as a person. I just, I'm not very big on like defining myself in a group. Right. Situation. I I love everybody, so it's. I want to go hang out with the guys that are rapping. I want to go hang out with the guys that are doing hard rock. I want to go. You know what? It's like. Yeah, you got to get yourself into a different crowd all the time. You can't just be no, hanging no. around the same no, shit all the I, time. Yeah. Gotta, I just stay out. You need some room for growth. And I love so much other music. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, multi-genre shows are a lot of fun for me. It's those like, are always the best. Yeah, honestly. I agree. I agree. I feel weird about those. I don't know if it's like. I wonder, does everyone feel that way? Or are some people like, ah, oh, this <laughs> fucking bullshit. I didn't want to hear this shit. You know, it's like, just like, well, you know, there's the, I think I can take, maybe it's just a musician in me, but I can take 30 minutes of almost anything. You know, there's a very few guidelines. Yeah. I don't know if other people like it. I've always liked it. Because whenever I'm setting up a show, I'd love to always be like, it's just, yeah, I have a fucking multi genre fucking this and that show. Yeah. But then it's like, I wonder if that would go over well all the time people get sick of it be like i'm just here for these guys and they leave for the <laughs> next well, like playing chicago if you ever play chicago that's just what it's like in a lot of joints i played you know yeah it's just they get a few bands together it doesn't matter genre they come they're like who'd you come to see <laughs> check you out you know <laughs> right yeah i don't know it's a different kind of thing down here though yeah, yeah. there's a lot of love across genre every time i've been i've fans in you know like listeners and players are always just like like what you said this is great this is great i can stand anything for about 30 minutes right i think Some the guideline for me is like there's always like the music there's simple musical guidelines but they're not always need to be fulfilled but what it really is for me is like are these people can i understand what their vision is you know what i'm saying right it could be a band that's like raw wild and all over the place musically but it's like is that what they're trying to do or is it like, are they trying to be like a super tight funk band? Are they trying to like do some conscious hip hop or so? You know, like it doesn't matter what it is. It's like, right. is their vision being fulfilled? And then I like watching people shine. So Hell yeah. when they like, they get that glow, it's like, oh, fuck yeah, <laughs> the glow. You can see it. That's you right. Can feel it. <laughs> you know, if they turn into Bruce Leroy, then we know yeah. we're in a good place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's go back a little bit. What first got yourself into music? I, I played a little bit when I was young. We had a family rule. Everybody had to play an instrument through, you know, okay. up to about high school. Mandatory. Yeah. Any kinda, instrument, though. Any you instrument. You, you didn't have to join, like, the school band or anything. No, a school band. A school band type, type Did they band. make you or would the... Like, I think would they have let you just been like, all right, you could just do guitar on your own or like, all right, you got to get in the fucking well, that's orchestra. What happened. That's what happened Yeah. to me. I re and I regret it because I love the cello. It's a, the range of the instrument's a great The cello? Range, yeah. Oh, dude, I'd love range. to play the cello. I've yeah. always wanted to. Yeah. I fucked around with violin. I yeah. tried to teach myself a little bit, but goddamn, dude, the fucking like, it's so sensitive, the movements. Mm -hmm. I was like, are my fingers too big or I'm just nah. really... I thought I had I thought I had like little skinny fingers. I was like, how how could anyone 
with like bigger hands than me do this yeah and maybe yeah. i just really suck i don't know but you have to be very yeah and i thought maybe i could do the cello i just maybe one of these days give me an old cello and try it out and see yeah probably still suck but right, well, i got one of my house you can come dig Ooh, come yeah. dig over there get bring it over to the jam night and have some yeah we can plug it in too my girl's got a little Ooh, thing yeah shit. yeah no so i you know i, I played and i enjoyed it i always wanted to do upright bass though oh yeah and like they're like uh no, we're gonna. This, this girl's gonna be upright. You can just <laughs> sit first chair or whatever. And it's like, if I want to play upright bass, and I be like, <laughs> you know, being preteen, it was like, fuck this shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. And then I uh, started hanging out with some guys, you know, and they were all into like, let's put a little garage van together. And I was like, I don't play really. <laughs> Found a guitar, you know, started teaching myself and. My boy Ben Soltow and a couple of the cats from the Quad Cities when I grew up here and we started a little garage band. Nice. And that started the addiction. Oh yeah. Started started that addiction. As it does, yeah. I remember myself when I was young, same thing, like I was like in band and shit and then when you're like getting like in the middle school and stuff you're talking about like oh we should start a band it's like, Well, I don't play anything. <laughs> like, well, I guess I'm gonna start playing something then <laughs> and then Fucking, I'll pick up the bass or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You have three guitar players. Somebody's got to jump. And then a few years later, it's like, ah, I guess we're fucking guitar player now or something. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real cool thing. Did you ever go to school for music or anything like that? Or you just do it on your own? You know, you graduate, you know, and uh, high school. And uh, yeah, I was like, what am I going to do in my life? I was like, well, I like this music thing. Yeah? Yeah. Heard about this little school up in Cedar Rapids. Well, it's the third largest college in Iowa now. It's community college, Kirkwood Community. Okay. I went up there, like, you know, I was, like, into, like, red chili peppers and funky stuff and then, like, some, you know, pumpkins and stuff like that, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. And, uh, and I went up there and auditioned and blew it, man. Like... I was just like, didn't know anything really. You know, I could play mm-hmm. some, I could play some music, jam a little, but I didn't really know. And the dude totally like, hey, he just had that. He's like, you he could see something, I think. He's just one of those guys. It's like, all right, well, we'll let you in, you know? So then I went in there and it was like, well, now you're going to play jazz music. Oh. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> you know? You just start, well, I have to learn these songs. And then you sit down and learn the songs. Do you have to do that off of uh, sheet music then for guitar? Or? Well, you know, all music is a language, so it starts at ear. Yeah. And then it, but you know, the paper helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so just being thrown so, in there, so, how difficult you know, was well, that? Well, you know, they, they make it easy on you. They just okay. like, you got to buy this book. It's called The Real Book. And they got real books for everything now, so it's real cool. It was like an illegal thing back in the day where it's like people would listen to records. It was a Berkeley experiment. Like, listen to records and all the students would like make transcription charts mm. and they put it in a big book and then you could like buy it but it was like illegal because of copyrights and shit like that oh, okay. so it'd be like you go in a dark alley and meet this dude <laughs> and it's like dude you got the product man it's like yeah I got these jazz tunes <laughs> but, but no but now it's legal because you know one of the big companies bought it and bought yeah. the copyrights so they just give you this book full of like 200 tunes and they're like pick some songs huh. and then you like okay I can kind of figure out notes and then you listen to recording figure out notes and then you do the thing Hell yeah. Close your eyes and ride the unicorn. Right, right. And how old were you when you picked up the guitar first time? 
Well, I'd say I dabbled for a number of years, you know? Yeah. I think when I started thinking, like, guitar is something I could do. It's probably, like, 17, 18. Mm. You started, like, you have a band. I started, like, yeah, you got some original tunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You play a couple shows in a little coffee shop. You're like, oh, I got it. We got this thing going, man. It's going to be cool. Yeah. Let's go have some fun. <laughs> so it's about that time, you know? How old are you now? 35. 35. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this has been a crazy journey. I went, you know, to school and played with some cats up there and moved to Iowa City. Started a little hip-hop band called the Uniphonics. Oh, really? And we uh, still band after all these years. Recorded a couple albums. We got an album coming out. It's been sitting for a, a few years. Uh, be coming out this year. So that's... Uh, so that's a, a group I tour with a lot. Got a lot of really cool opportunities and real cool guys. Started his friends and his family. Hell yeah. So. How long uh, since you first started touring? Well, you know, you do like a, you know, I was going to play a lot of local shows. And then I got in the Uniphonics and it was kind of like, we were just a bunch of guys. Some of us went to school together. And it all feeds back into the jam type of thing, you know, like. Mm -hmm why I one of the reasons why I do the jam and why I'll continue to do a jam as long as I can mm -hmm. is it's like in Iowa City there's a jam and it was like multiple bands were spurred out of this jam session nice. so like a couple of us you know we moved to Iowa City and uh we just started going to open jam because what you do as a musician singer rapper you just go out and meet the people mm -hmm. and we were playing all of a sudden this guy and this other guy had been talking for a while like I'd like to start a band together and then couple of us showed up he's like these are our guys <laughs> we should do a band together guys then there's a competition to get into a music festival called camp euphoria and uh we put a set together and went and did it and and we won and uh yeah then we just started being like oh let's try to gig you know start hitting up everybody start traveling yeah just hit as many places as you can you know texas right. jersey indiana or, uh, yeah, Upper Peninsula. Got any crazy tour stories? There's always crazy tour stories. <laughs> There's always crazy tour stories. Hmm, let me think. It's like which ones you can remember. That's yeah. The, that's the tricky part. Which ones are legally? Yeah. Statute. <laughs> Going over names. Limitations. What, what, what am I allowed <laughs> to say here? <laughs> Statute limitations. <laughs> well, I think with a band, you know, when you're on the road, you're budgeting like you know like everything you can and uh bring your own coffee you know saying so you're like i'm not sure there's gonna be a coffee joint out there i better bring my own <laughs> but the biggest thing is finding somewhere to sleep at night right yeah so you can either pay the 80 dollars and try to sneak like six dudes into a motel six or <laughs> something better you know yeah if it's not provided by the venue or you're sitting there being like hey we don't have a home tonight you know, so you're always going somewhere weird at the end of the night with a band. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so sometimes it's good. <laughs> you know, we were up in Wisconsin playing, I think it was uh, Popcorn's Tavern in La Crosse. Real cool joint, real cool joint. Playing with a band called More Than Lights. We're opening up. They're a hip hop band out of Minneapolis. We get up there, we're, we're hanging out, and these people are like, hey, you should come to our house awesome we took a dairy farm and they made like a horse ranch mm, hell yeah so but you know you gotta drive like 45 minutes you know 
So you just you just keep driving and driving like on these back roads with strangers. You're just like, let's go to a stranger's house in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You know, you show up and it's just like gorgeous. And they just get get it in, yeah. you know? Like we only get 48 hours off a year, but we get it in. So it was, it's all part party and horses. You know, you wake up and check out the horses and some of the other dudes in the band are like shoveling shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's they crazy. Get, they just wanted to put you guys to work. Like, all right, it's we got crazy. some chores to do. Oh, but they cook breakfast. Like, no, that's, that's the best part of staying. Ooh. It's the breakfast that somebody cooks. Yeah. Some hospitality. Yeah, we went to this one dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's places when you're like, we did this show up in uh, Mason City. Which like, it was like a weird thing, you know, you're going up. So in a band, you're trying to find those sm smaller towns on the way, like Minneapolis or Mankato, you know, somewhere. Mm -hmm. We're playing Mason City. They had this, like, it was weird because, you know, it's just like a regular small town Iowa thing. But then, like, somebody came in and was like, we're going to put this Metropolitan Bar right in the middle of Mason City. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was a hip joint. And we were playing that place a couple times a year. And, uh, but then somebody's like, hey, you want to go? We live in Manly, Manly, Iowa. We got out, we got a place out there, you know? Drive out in the cut, going out there. There's like, you know, it's a small trailer park in the middle of nowhere. You're going in, there's like pit bulls everywhere, you know, a couple pit bulls. They got bandanas on them because they're in heat. House is just like rank. You're just like <laughs> on the thing. Be Good, great people, you know what I'm saying? But you're also like, is this a, is this a den for, you know, it's yeah. like a den? <laughs> we fall asleep and you wake up and the dogs are fucking on your drummer. And <laughs> wake up, breakfast, still sausage and sausage and eggs. Sausage and eggs. Bacon. You gotta have that breakfast. Dogs. Ammonia smell. <laughs> yeah. You just never know where it's where it's where it's, it's going to lead you. Right. I, Luckily, nobody's been stabbed along that's the good. way. That's a positive. Only like broken bones and yeah. things like that. Well, that'll happen. Healable stuff. Yeah, yeah. We they should have every venue should have an attached bed and breakfast that accommodates the musicians <laughs> every time. That's a dream. Yeah. That's a dream. <laughs> that and people that carry your gear. Yeah. <laughs> There's some venues, you know, like like we play up in, Ma uh, in Marquette, up Peninsula, and they just, you know, it was like 12 hours to get there, so they take care of bands. It was, it was a really cool joint, too, because it was like, they got the university up there, and uh, it was just a wide, it was like there was only one cool bar, so everybody went to this cool bar. Mm -hmm. There was also like a five-star restaurant or something like that. <laughs> okay. So then the whole band gets free meals and a hotel stay and all that kind of stuff, you know? Cause and then they pay you really good. It's like, like they used to do it back in the day, like multiple night runs and stuff like that. So you gotta do a couple nights and leave all your stuff on the stage, and then they feed you. Cause five star restaurant though, huh? That's what they said. Maybe it was. Uh, is there a four star? Well, yeah. I think, well, you know, I've heard it's it like three to five. Yeah. <laughs> they just want to say they'll just say it's five. Ah, who's gonna know? Yeah. Well, I've heard it's like super hard to get like listed as like a five star. I mean. Like yeah. way harder than just being even a four or something. It's like, like yeah, well, it's four, but we just say it's five. Or something. Then you get that whole thing. It's like, well, then you have like that. Uh, I thought you my ticket prices. You know, mm. it was like a fifteen dollar ticket. You're going into it like I spent fifteen dollars. It better be a good show. Yeah. So either gonna like love the band or hate them. There's no in between. Five dollars show. You're like, oh, you know, it's okay. I had yeah. a good time. I hung out with my friends and stuff. 
you know, it doesn't matter as much because it's only $5 investment. Like five-star <laughs> restaurants, like, make or break. Yeah. Like, my green beans are cold, bro. Yeah, yeah what the I thought this was five-star. This is Himalayan sea salt. Yeah, if anything was wrong, I'll just complain and be like, I want this free. <laughs> <laughs> for any reason. It's like, this wasn't a five-star service. What are you kidding me? I'm paying star. for this. <laughs> yeah. Five-star prices. Yeah, right. Yeah, but sometimes it's worth it, though. Yeah. Sometimes it's worth it. Definitely. What kind of food do they have at a five-star restaurant? I don't know. I feel like every every restaurant serves almost the same thing. When you get to those fancy restaurants, it's just a giant plate with, like, a very tiny, fancily oh, yeah. laid out shit with some garnish shit on I'm it. I'm a big coffee guy, so I get into, like, the taster world. Yeah. And uh, it's like uh, the reduction of everything makes the concentration of like intent of eating a little more intense I think you know really? what I'm saying because it's like this is what you got yeah true it's like when you get a glass of wine and it's like nice glass of wine it's not like because you're just like <laughs> a two liter of I wine I mean if it was like, you'd be like maybe that's just me I don't know the concentration of intent of experience of the flavor it's like yeah. really focusing on this fucking exotic agreement you know yes, ingredients yeah. and shit I don't know though. Sometimes you just pay pay for a fancy white plate that's been wiped. Yeah. Well, it's only for the those with a refined palate. Yeah. Can only taste these magnificent flavors. <laughs> if you're not used to it, you won't. It won't taste as good. <laughs> <laughs> I can dig it. I can dig it. Yeah. Music is the thing. Do you do that? Is that your full-time gig or no? Well, right now, yeah. Well, oh, I yeah. teach, play music. Living the dream, huh? <laughs> Living the dream. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, I, well, I got two babies at home, so my my wife did the first one. She stayed home, and and then I had to get to do the second one. So. Nice. It's a pretty cool thing. Pretty cool thing. So is that how you uh, picture it going down the road? Just keep doing the same stuff, uh, basically doing it. Well, I kind of go in a small, tight-tiered kind of. There's always these. There's a dichotomy of choices, you know. Yeah. Slavery of choice, right? Like, do you want to keep teaching forever? Or, or well, teaching's just... a really interesting thing. I love to. Yeah, I'm a. I get Gabby, so I can talk. I get really excited about music and sharing information, you know. So yeah. I really do enjoy teaching. This this year, I'm looking to do a series of like master classes okay. through the RME. Different topics. Some will be something as simple as like understanding notation, and, and some will be like advanced pentatonic, you know, like stuff like that mm -hmm. to kind of create barrier, you know, something where it's like a, it's great communal, you know, thing, and then we can actually get together and people can play the stuff we just learned. So I do have a passion for teaching. I never. Really thought I'd be a guitar teacher though. Yeah. There was a there there was a time I wanted to teach, like uh do what the guy did for me when I went to that community college. He took a young buck, he saw some kind of fire or something in there. Yeah. Or maybe he just needed more students. <laughs> uh, he's like, I don't have a guitar player right now. We're gonna well, let this boy in. We'll the last train one him. on the list, so Yeah, we'll just train this dude. But uh, you know, and give people that because like I I mean, I'd listen to jazz and stuff. You know, growing up across cities, you get Dixie, and then late night, I'd be like putting on, you know, the college stations or whatever, listen to music. Like, oh, that's pretty cool stuff, you know. But it's never really like 
some people I meet that, you know, like they grow up and they're like, oh, I love jazz because they got into it early. It was like, I went and then I heard a specific song. I remember the song where I was mm-hmm. at the intersection I was at. And obviously it was like a button, like click. I was like, oh man, it's this trombone lick and this man. So give people that opportunity because it changed my life. It changed my whole, my ears and the way I listen to music, the way I philosophize about music. Mm-hmm. Just because one man was just like, you ever heard this thing called jazz? You feel like playing this kind of music? I'm like, yeah, sure, man. And it's like all of a sudden, I'm like, Shh. the rest of my life is on a totally different trajectory. So it's those cool opportunities. So I thought really about doing that type of thing, like, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, getting into like a community college and trying to build a program to just spread the the vision that, or philosophy of jazz, the way that vision of looking at music. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have thought about that a lot, but I never really thought about teaching. You know, I thought I'd play for a while and, and see where it takes me. But yeah. then I found like people are like, "Hey man, can you do lessons?" And you're just like, "Sure, why not do lessons?" I, you know. <laughs> yeah. So so I do plan on teaching. I like to move towards. I have a cap on how many students that I want, and just do those number of students because. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can fall into the world where all of a sudden you're teaching 40 students a week, but you're not playing. Yeah. I meet guys like that. Yeah. You go to any town, go to a local guitar shop, there's going to be like four guys in there that are monsters. But are they out there playing? And that's what I got into music for, is playing, not... You got to pass it on. That's a duty as a human, is mm-hmm. giving something to the youth to help them grow and be better. Because that helps you grow and be better. But, you know, it wasn't the original Tim. It was like, get out, let's have a good time, jam, make some music, be, you know, try to create something that's worth listening to and uh, alleviate the suffering of others Hell through yeah. a good time. Teaching is just another way for me to do that. Do you, do you teach independently or you do through a place? I do through the River Music Experience. Okay, yeah. I thought about going to other places, but they, they do scholarships there. Oh. So if you're, like, got a child or adult, it doesn't matter age, you can go down there and be like, like I was when I was a kid. I tried to do guitar lessons when I was a kid, but I couldn't afford it. The guy eventually would be like, man, I just can't. You're not paying me. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to like hustle and do some things that are, you know, illegal or something to pay my guitar teacher. And so I just like, I just gave up on that. It's like, I'll just teach myself because I can't afford it. And like living here in the Quad Cities, there's a solution to that. It's a river music experience. So I heard about that. I was like, this is where I should teach out of. You know, I Definitely. went to other places and checked out what their deal was, but it, it came down to that. I was like, these I mean, people that don't have much music goes a long way. It did for me. They offer all different kinds of instrumental lessons, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A wide variety. A wide variety, of, you know. So, yeah, so I teach there and I teach out of my home. Hell yeah. And then I also do home delivery teaching. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people want to be in their space, you know what I'm saying? You're right, right, space. yeah. It's more comfortable for them, whatever. Yeah. yeah, if anyone anyone out there is listening wants yeah. to be, fucking start playing I got some babies. music, yeah, I got babies. Yeah, this guy will teach you some things. <laughs> just some, yeah. A little, a few licks, twenty dollars, no, yeah. fifty dollars, hundred dollars. Yeah. We could talk. <laughs> Go down to the army if you're poor. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a great deal. It's a great deal. Hell yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I, I teach out there. I've done a few things, you know, like the libraries, little master classes and stuff like that. That's a real fun thing, you know. Try to be concise and, like, 
Because I'm a tangent, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the major scale. We talk hours. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's been a real journey on the teaching thing. So I do it more and more because it's just exciting to watch people have that that moment. Ding. You know, I really don't like to call it teaching. You know, I like to call it guiding, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like yeah. anything. You just, you have to sit down and do it. I've fired guitar students before. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not about a money thing. I mean, you got to make money, but it's not about a money thing. Well, you can't just be teaching someone who's just not practicing, not there, just not into it. Yeah, it's it's like, do, do you want to do this? Are your parents making you do this, bro? If you don't want to do it, then that's not the kind of student I want. Right. I'm not there for siphoning money off of people. I want to like make the Quad Cities have a little bit of a more of a like, oh well, well like if if I can help these youth grow and put the city and put the people here on the map to make them proud of where they live. Then I'll, I'll do that. Hell yeah. I'll do that. Do you still, like, maybe in the future want to work towards doing a thing at a through a school, like a program? Well, I have thought about that, you know. With my education level, I can't teach public. Mm. But I teach private. Yeah. So I have thought about that. I have thought about that. Or I thought about this other thing, which we're, we're starting to do with the JMT, by the way. Uh, well, I thought, like... Uh, after developing these master classes, I thought about uh, because we live in Iowa, Eastern and what in Illinois, you know, there's a lot of rural space. So I thought about doing like a traveling master class thing, mm-hmm. like public libraries and all this stuff, so people in small towns can have a spot oh, yeah. to come and you know try out something different, learn something, teach somebody else. That's a good idea. So it's like because there's not a lot of opportunities in those in those areas. You know, for something different. All it took was one guy giving me a little bit different perspective, and I was just, my mind was blown, and everything was changed. So yeah. If you can help people to appreciate and understand things. That'd be a really good idea. The hardest thing about, like, classes like that is just, like, the promotion. It's like, oh yeah, people got to know. So many times I'll find out about a class, like, what, yesterday? <laughs> like, yeah. what the fuck? I would have oh, gone. <laughs> 100%, and then find the time when it comes down to it. It is a task. I mean, I've done multiple library things and talked to the coordinators and people like that. You know, it's. I'm a. Last, last year, I really delved into modern marketing techniques, right? Yeah. You know, cause we live in the future, so I'm just internet research as much as free will allow me. Right. And uh, it's just a really interesting thing. I mean, I was really set on the idea last year that it's rarely about, you know, talent. Especially talking about this area, we're real lucky to have a lot of talented area because people from the rural and everything they also come into this city to to experiment and do their own things. We have this fun little thing here. It's not oversaturated. Everybody's really pretty, pretty kind. There's always stuff, but people are pretty kind. So I was coming into like, well, there's cats here that are better than cats I've seen that are, you know. Mm-hmm. But what's stopping people, you know? Right. And there's that whole group thing, cultural thing in this part. Of the country, but we talk, you know, specific to QC, where it's like, you know, once the implosion of the po- the post-industrial era hit this area, you know, Case left, right, Caterpillar yeah. crushed my dad. You know what I'm saying? He's crushed by losing that job, which is his stable way. Mm-hmm. So it was like watching that. There's like a psychological influence on the area. You know, Portland's relative to this side. 
I mean, they have certain industries there that bring different people, but like, what's really different? And to me, I believe it's a perspective-based thing, you know. Mm-hmm. When I first moved into this house I bought this year, my neighbor came over. He's like, "You just moved to town or whatever? He's like, Why are you moving to the hood?" No, <laughs> but he's like, uh, "He's like, oh yeah." He's like, "There's nothing to do in this town," and I was like, "Dude, I do some every single night like, Did you just and move during here, the day <laughs> in this area." You just don't know about it. A popular misconception about the yeah. Quad City. <laughs> it was just a perspective. Of course we're not like Chicago. Of course we don't have. But what we do have here is an ability to engage. You can go shake the mayor's hand. You can go to whoever runs the biggest music festivals in this town or whoever runs the art stuff, who's on the board at the feet. You can literally walk up to these people and it's not like a big weird thing. It's not. There's no barriers. And then it's just like a size thing if you're just talking like compared to Chicago. It's yeah. like well, it's just not as big. It's just smaller. There's still just as many things to do for this size of a town. Yeah. But it's not like a fucking. So so it comes down to me is like there's things that people are trying real hard. They're trying. It's good. It's been a lot of interesting growth. You know, moving away from here and coming back uh, to watch the change. Yeah. But uh, I really think it's uh, marketing. Because it's the idea of, uh, it's not the thing. It's hard to be so <laughs> binary on it. Yeah. But uh, it's definitely a, a, a leading factor, you know. Definitely. But it, maybe it's just an uh, illusion that I have because I'm like a guy who's like, I like music, so why wouldn't I like a local band? Or like, I like famous artists. Why don't I go to see some local artists? Like, I just like, it's music or it's art or it's, Whatever, I don't care if they're famous or not. Are they doing quality work? Yeah. I just have that perspective. Yeah, that well, what is that about people? It's like easier for them to obviously, you know, support someone who's famous and who's made it already. And it's just like, you know, damn well that it's like somewhere there's the next famous person waiting to be found. And it's like, and even if someone doesn't end up being famous, yeah. there's plenty of great, you know, just artists, musicians, whatever you're looking into, like, you know. Yeah, you can just turn towards your local scene and listen to any type of music. There's some. There's got to be something good, yeah. depending how big your town is. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, and then there's the other thing where I get all philosophical. And I'm like, well, never mind. Okay, we won't go there yet. But <laughs> you know, I, I, I think part of it is as simple as like when somebody smiles in a room, other people smile. It's like going to a movie theater. And like, it's funnier at the movie theater because there's that group <laughs> thing. You True know, that. Yeah. And uh. So I think part of, part of that is that is like the confirmation from the group that it's quality and that they are mm-hmm. define their quality through other people's parameters instead of being like. But I also think there's people that really enjoy new and different and something like that. It's just like a philosophical choice they make. They're like, and so, and, but, I, but mostly I think, and everybody has this in them. We're not all one or the other. I think it's a fam- like a familiar thing, you know? They just, it's familiar, so it feels safe. They recognize it. Mm-hmm. It's in, been integrated into their you know, their psyche, the same 20 songs they've been playing on, you know, the classic rock station, you know, it's been integrated to their mind. So it's just like, they're not willing to take a risk. They're, they like something familiar. It's why Applebee's or something. It's like Applebee's isn't killing it, but they're full up every night, you know, like yeah, yeah. why or well, not? Well, maybe not anymore, but why is that? It's just a familiar, it's safe. It's that. Mm-hmm. And there's people that are thrill seekers that are more like, what's the new thing? I never heard of this guy before. Type it in. That sounds pretty cool. I wonder what they're like live. You know, 
Somebody yeah, else is yeah, like, yeah. well, I'll just listen to this person or whoever is in my mix that somebody put in my mix for me. Not saying that people that don't go to shows don't discover new music, but mm-hmm. I just think it's a it's an outlook. Well, and those the thrill seekers, how many of those are like probably musicians themselves? Well, is that too? And I mean, like, because there's probably a good amount of people that are into finding new music, into local music that probably aren't musicians. But I mean, I feel like maybe when you're looking at the local scene, people that are going to shows, you know, more often than not, probably majority of those people are also involved themselves in some way or another, being an artist or musician. And so they're just kind of involved in the whole scene, looking through the scene to, yeah. for like, oh, here's this new band that's really well, good or whatever. Well, this goes back to my marketing idea. And uh, I'm never, I, I won't say don't market to the heads, by heads, you know, it's like the people that have seen the same people like me. I, I'll go watch a lot of different bands. I used to go to joint Rusty Nail, it's Gypsy Gypsy Highway now, because they had a slide guitar. Blab Steel dude, that was bad. I'm not as huge, you know. I like some country type stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. This mother, he was bad. Yeah, yeah. Six o'clock dinner, right? Free music. It was real cool. It's real cool. So, because I'm a musician, I love a scene. I love to see cool players. I love to support my friends and all that thing. Comes back to the marketing thing. Like I think, what a lot of people do in the the nut to crack is not there's the modern thing you know development you know of marketing post world war ii it's like you know general marketing and then it went into like specialization marketing it's like not now we have this special computer not just Mm. the general computer you know we have a special washer and dryer that's just you know specialization because industry and then it went into niche with extreme like specialization where you no longer waste money marketing to people that aren't in your demographic that you've researched, which is what you use Facebook for is to find out who's actually your demographic and then mm-hmm. market to them, right? That's one effective path. Instead of trying to reach the 20 different niche groups, you focus, you refine and focus on yours. You know, But in an area like us in the country where we don't have 20, 10 million people in our town, so we have enough of each niche to really fulfill each void, mm-hmm. You have to find a way to get to that greater non-scene, you know, uh, audience. It's like when the when it's like I'll sweat stuff, you know, I'll sweet stuff. When they do the big tribute stuff, it's like they know people know the bands, and you go out to those shows. And there's people you'll never see at any local show, a local band show. They're familiar with the band, but it's because they've able to tap into the general audience, mm-hmm. the general person who's not a live music enthusiast. So as a band, like bridging that gap how do you get to the general listener mm-hmm. and not the people that just go to shows because they love to go to shows how do you how do you break that barrier to be yeah, like yeah. somebody that works and does something you know it's not really like uh, go party with you it's like but they really like music how do you find that person because everybody loves music well i think everybody likes music no nine times out of ten there's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. always an exception <laughs> yeah yeah general general maybe like another like a broader range in venues too because you know we have like larger venues around here and then we've there's been like uh there's been more smaller venues that have popped up like on the diy side as well and i think it's more like maybe need more of a medium-sized venue like perhaps like the the rust belt that new place that just opened something like that maybe I like might that. bridge a gap between like you know types of performers that you're going to see at these bigger venues and then types of performers coming from these smaller venues might meet somewhere in the middle might get a 
you know, people from both sides too. Well, that's that good. Well, I was, I've been thinking about this a lot cause you know, just in the business. So you think about the business. Uh, I'm actually really excited about that because exactly what you're, what you're talking about. Uh, if you can, there's been interesting arguments on both sides of this, right? Mm -hmm. But if you can get book these bigger acts in a club, that's, you know, not like an arena or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm you're bringing in these general people and they're and then you have your local talent you have these other people. so they recognize that there is something exciting to do and that there are musical options for entertainment using that like when i think about when uh you know the the hive consulting and all them people k dale and all that kind of stuff, when they're doing their booking for the big festivals and stuff like that you know and the things that they have to take into account like will we like this or we like that but like can we get a general person that's going to pull a lot of people and then we and you mix mm -hmm. all that together and then you'll try to work in yeah yeah work it in so like no look there's validity here yeah but i read this article two years ago it was about madison wisconsin uh, I, th I think uh garbage was the band or whatever that was from there mm -hmm. and they're just talking about the size of cities and their ability to sustain large working acts mm -hmm. there's like becomes this teetering point where it's just like you see it here all the time you get to a certain level and the people are like well i gotta go to nashville or you know because yep, it's yep. just like we can't sustain it. Uh, and it's just a really interesting argument. I mean, I can see that and I can get that. I respect that. People say that to people all the time. <laughs> like, why are you still here? I'm a Midwestie, so. But I really think it's a really interesting thing. And uh, they actually make the argument that free summer festivals ruin local music scenes, but because people expect free music. But, uh, and that's a part of the why it can mm. survive is because people get a large, the general audience gets a large ingestion of music for free in the summertime, opposed to what it really needs to be is a cost. But we yeah. all know that the arts are, uh, are a streamable service now, so. Yeah. So the name of the game is different, but it's just it was an uh, interesting thing. I can't sustain anybody large enough to still live here. Yeah, there's lots of variables in all this. Like, should you, should it be like trying to make shows like on the cheaper side, you know, like you said before, like if it's fifteen dollars, it's it better be good, you know. Five dollars, you're more open to. Well, there. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, but, it is. So I try to. I'm, like you said, instead of doing anything free, should you? And and also maybe instead of doing anything too expensive, maybe just a nice middle ground or something. Well, if you could pay five dollars for a festival or something. Well, like a small. Well, festival. if you, I thought it was interesting when uh, River Roots did that. They were free and they put that five dollars and it changed the demographic too because it was like it was good and bad because it was like i always liked the idea i'm a big can't tell i'm a big community guy like maybe it's my kids i moved back to my hometown you know what i'm saying i'm ready to root it up you know put some roots in help people grow like every child is my child now since you're in dad kids. mode now but exactly <laughs> i'm daddy all day daddy all day musician daddy. good or bad <laughs> uh but um, I got a little sidetracked there. Uh, so it was it was good and bad. It was it was good because it actually like people weren't just showing up to be silly and cause ruckus. It did, did like immediately quell some of, some of that. Like people just going to like be silly and disrupt well, maybe the vibe, right? Yeah. But the five dollars also made it to where it's like we lost some of it. It was only five dollars, which I don't think is. I mean, somebody's gonna go spend that on a beer, but for some people, that's too much, I guess. And it was just like numbers were slightly less. 
it kept out, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's this, like, interesting balance to the thing. It was, like, it meant people were more in going there intentionally for music mm-hmm. and not just as, like, a, let's just go because there's a whole bunch of people. But at the same time, you want that in your scene. You want to attract the general audience so you can yeah. get more people excited about the locality and options of entertainment. What do you think? You think it should be free? should be five? I actually didn't mind the whole free and the not. I thought that on the basis of survival, I thought it was responsible to charge. Right. Because, I mean, they got to fight tooth and nail, get funding. And, uh-huh. and then, like, I mean, I've thrown some shows where, you know, you put $2,000 of your own money on the table with no guarantee. And then we're, we're talking about what large festivals are doing, which is like 40000 Yeah, at least, The man. city, you know, and we're not into that whole, like, 1950s, like, state-sponsored art stuff. You're like, oh, we got all this money because, you know. Yeah. City does help and stuff. You know, cities help and stuff because they want it, but... But uh, I think it's responsible. I thought it was interesting. You know, they, I think they did a good thing with their shift. Unfortunately, I, I love Outdoor Fest, but shifting to what, what they did with alternate currents is... will probably be better for the local businesses. and Then they don't have to pay for porta-potties, police, and... Yeah, yeah, stages and yeah. I love my guys over, you know, my my guys that own all the stage stuff. <laughs> but but there'll be some stuff out. So yeah, here's an idea. I don't know if it's stupid or not. What if there was like a show or a fest or something where all anyone who was performing or playing had like merch or music for sale, and say the event was free, but everyone that was in before you leave you have to show that you bought an item of merch or I, music I, or there's something there's already a place in the area that does that really yeah it's free to go in but you're expected to buy ten dollars worth of whatever uh-huh. great life i play jazz there it's a great spot which you know date night i love my two wine bars yeah i know it's high side but element up there but grape life is is my joint and uh Going there, cool, chill music, you know, acoustic and jazz. Only place that has jazz consistently, like every week almost. Uh, but yeah, it's a ten dollar minimum on music nights. But if you go, you're gonna buy a bottle of wine, and that basically, yeah. it's a good time. It's a good time. But they do that. You think that format works well? Ninety nine percent of the time. My last gig there, this lady complained because she's like spent seven fifty on a glass, and it was like. It's the rule of the rules, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's okay, but it's like, there's a sign on the door. There's a sign <laughs> yeah. on the event. There's a sign in the bathroom. So it's not a surprise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went, when I, you know, you go to Detroit, you go to Jazz Club there, it's $20 minimum the place I went, you know? Mm-hmm. Each person. And you leave with a $300 bar tab, like we did. Biggest I'm probably part of my family, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, just they, but their drinks were also like eight dollar well fucking mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gins. So I don't know. I'm more of a guy that likes the, the variety of experiments, mm-hmm. you know, and then find what works for your establishment. Right. The allotment of different marketing styles, so you don't get too much of a sameness thing going on. Mm-hmm. I like hole in the wall. I like fancy, just different experiences. Yeah, yeah, that's probably good. Novelty, like change it up. Yeah. You get to use the same. People thing. People say elitist, like, oh, I like go to the <laughs> There's that whole concept of like when people call it a dive bar, but it's not a real dive bar. Because a real dive bar is like 
you know, you go there, it's the same, hey, dudes, you know. No windows. Which, which is my podcast <laughs> I want to come out with this year. <laughs> I want to hit every bar in Davenport. Not in one day. No. But just do a town to town. You just go to every single establishment that legally is considered a bar. Every Rehonable, every night. There's there's certain joints that are like out of houses that you can find and stuff like yep. that. Mm -hmm. Underground bars and stuff like that. And just go like podcast to every, you know, just go yeah, have a couple yeah. drinks to everyone and bring some local guests like what you get to do. You know? Right, right, yeah. Something cool like, hey, we should kick it. That'd be dope. Yeah. No. But doing is different than saying. So, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You gotta watch it. <laughs> <laughs> now, you said you had moved away for a while and then moved back to yeah. QC. So, when you were gone and then when you came back, what did you notice different with like the music scene? Well, at what the time, changed? well, what was really interesting is when I lived outside of Davenport, I, I traveled. I went to all, all, you know, a lot more Iowa towns, mm -hmm. Illinois, Minnesota. Was, I, went, I traveled more. And I think it's really interesting because of the, I think it's just the large numbers we have with the metropolitan area mm -hmm. that I would always come back here and the musicians weren't traveling. We had a few bands that were like traveling acts, mm -hmm. but most of the bands just stayed around here because there's enough work for a lot of people that aren't like trying to like Nashville. Right? They just moved to Nashville, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or whatever they want to go. Um, so I thought it was really interesting. We'd come, we would, I was from Davenport, but we would play Davenport the least out of towns it was crazy to me uh but uh because the musicians just didn't have to go anywhere but what i think really changed was uh part of it was through that you know some of them federal grant grants you know the river renaissance thing and uh, some of the projects that spurred out of it you know mm -hmm. how the armies changed the figgy i mean regardless if you participate in these things or like them even mm-hmm the idea of the excitement and energy it gave the downtown, I think it, those are some of the things that helped to spur the turnaround was the exciting, like, we got this new thing. To, and that just gets people, you know, not saying those things make tons of money, but it's, uh, it's that thing that's not money. It's that energy of mm -hmm. excitement, of turnaround. My brother's high school project back in the day was like, what's the vision of downtown Davenport? And his vision was boarded up windows and decrepit town, you know, because at that time it was. You drove downtown, it was like there was Davenport One, you know, you know, it's like same thing on, on the Illinois side. There's a couple yep. things, nothing, you know, restaurants have been there for 20 years. But then all of a sudden when I moved back, it was like six or seven years into the change, you know. And it's crazy because, like, I remember 2008. After the 2008 bubble, like I got responsible. I was like, I'm going to live off music. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Get crazy. And I ended up on the street, you know, not having a home, sleeping on couches, doing that thing, sleeping outside. And, and that was the thing, you know, the, the psychological thing. Yeah. Uh, even though Iowa City the whole time had 3% growth, like, it was crazy. It never, never psychological. But, I came back here and it was just really interesting because that was that whole thing of like, oh, well, it is a recession, but there's an excitement about building. And it's still building, you know? Mm -hmm. I always tell people all the time, it's like, you know, one of my brother's neighbors is, uh, he's just a regular old neighborhood, you know, below Locust. His neighbor's, uh, you know, 
he does uh, commercials. He had six commercials in the Super Bowl three years ago. You know, like, wow. <laughs> but you know, there's planes that come down to Mount Joy Airport from Chicago every day and bring people. You know, it's like the Midwest is this area, and it's it's not saturated. A lot of growth, for, uh, growth uh, potential for growth and opportunity. Mm-hmm. You can get in still. You know, that's what's exciting. I think that's what people who live in larger areas who can work mobily are realizing I come here taxes are a little you know, <laughs> yeah. you know grow a little bit lower we're not really across cities but uh, you know it's opportunities here it's cheap yeah like as an artist do you think it's best to stay in a place like the QC rather than go to like a Nashville or matters on your business model yeah cause like we had this shift in you know Unifonics where it was uh, you know you're young, so you think you have the old school model. Let's hit the road, bro. You know, let's just right. keep traveling. We're just hit more and more places, and we'll and we'll just hit more and more bars, build connections, whatever. You play a lot of dumps. It's what you do. You know, right. you just accept it and you move on. Okay, well, that's why we get guarantees and stuff. You know? <laughs> Sometimes you gotta play long show, four hour shows, and stuff like that. Uh, and then all of a sudden we realize, well, you can travel via the internet. And maybe it's a age thing or something, but it's mm-hmm. more like you refine your product and then you sell your product for somebody else to sell it eventually. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're like, yeah. you're creating your thing so that somebody else can be like, look, they've created the work. Let's just distribute it uh-huh. and change the things we don't like. So I think you can do it from anywhere. There's people that sell songs on the radio that live and wherever, you know? Mm-hmm. The new thing is like you record albums, you get in TV shows, get the royalty, and hopefully somebody hears that. You get streams, and you can, then you can start touring. Because mm-hmm. you read articles all the time about bands that do sellout shows on tours, great tours, and they don't make any money. You know, they love to play though, so they still want to do it. So you don't really have to. But the benefit of living in places, if if you got the energy, you know, right, and mm-hmm. you got the like you got to do anywhere, you can just happen to living next to a guy that happens to be the guy that you know or i knew a guy who moved out, out to uh california he just happens to be he ended up like uh n- like nannying or like some for these people and then the guy ended up being like knowing these famous guitar players and then he started doing tech for these guys and then he started sitting in with these guys and he started, it's like you know mm-hmm. all of a sudden he just got connected because he happened to know somebody through a weird job that happened to have you know friends that do things yeah, and I think about that locally too, because I mean that's just the reality of of, of what you gotta do to yeah. survive. Is yeah, crazy opportunities can always arise. Dude, I played with a Grammy Award winner last night. Nice. It was crazy. You know, I was supposed to open up for the jazz series down at the Army, Grace Towns promotion. You know, I feel lucky because they don't have local openers. I was the first local opener, and they said five years because they just wow. don't because they're they get crazy good artists and then they just, yeah, they don't like to have their stuff moved and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's cool. But you know, they mix up, guitar player didn't get hired for the gig. The guy's like, I need a guitar player for my gig. And they're like, well, we know a guy. Why? Because I went and hung out with these people and met them. They're all great people, Valerie Bibbs and Rusty and Melvin and stuff. All great people, you know? But you just like have to know people and that's, that's the other side of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Talent is one thing, but 
Mm. A lot of times people go with what's familiar and comfortable, you know, easy to do. Right. Which is, yeah. Goes goes back to that, you know, we're animals and we don't want to work unless we have to survive. You know? Right. You never see a raccoon out playing. <laughs> it's making an argument for procrastination. Mm -hmm. That's a completely natural phenomenon that we are supposed to sit and rest other than when we're trying to survive. <laughs> so if, I, if I'm being lazy today. And as an artist, that's another weird thing, like uh, artists just procrastinating with their art and whatever. It's like, that is like a phenomenon. Well, the argument is procrastination is, one of the arguments is procrastination is like a fear. It's a fear of the failure. That's why yeah. you're not engaging in what you're doing. You're not feeling confident in your idea because you got to put in the work, which is a possible waste of time. So you don't want to like waste time. So you just like, don't do it. Or you're like, oh, is it really what, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's just a, you know, that's one argument. That's like the way that you argue it to motivate yourself, I guess. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, I won't want to do something. Then, but then as soon as I start doing it, I'm like, oh, this is great. I'll do this all night. <laughs> you know, you all, you know, I tell them all my students, because, you know, when I started getting into teaching and I did it for a couple of while and I was like, I think I could do this better. Let me, you know, research it. And, uh, I really picked up this great thing, especially in our type of world. Right now, most people are like, I have so many things I could and want to do and have to do. It's just like blows my mind out. I can, you know, just, I could do, I love so many different things and mm -hmm. so many different interests, you know, for time to be a true Renaissance person. Right. But, uh, but what I tell my guitar students is five minutes. Start, I'm only going to do five minutes. If you play guitar and you pick up a guitar for five minutes, you're going to play guitar for 30 minutes. It's, you know, there's uh, it's supposedly it's like a, it's like a Japanese concept, right? It, one minute, you just, you want to build a new habit, you do it for one minute a day. And then you slowly start elongating. They, they, it's like they, they just talk about meditation. It was in the context mm -hmm. of med meditation, mm -hmm. but just do one minute a day. And then as you see, it'll progressively become longer and longer because you'll build the habit. And once you open the box, I'm not sure if you ever meditated, but you're sat there and just been like, the next thing you're like, man, it's been like 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, because you just been, yeah. So, yeah. So, it's just getting that box to open and then you can't stop. Yeah, time can lose you when you get into those states. <laughs> the dream is being in the flow all the time. You meditate a lot? I went through a thing where I was in my early 20s where I was trying to get on that heavy stuff, like transcendental meditation and stuff. And I dated this girl, and they're part of this cult, right? The chiropractor's down here. Uh, Dad lived in a teepee in the summer. It was super cool. Mom uh -huh. was all like, Frank Zappa. And stuff. I was like, this is crazy. It was like, I was all like musically stubborn, and like this girl and her whole family was into like way cool music before I even knew, you know, knew. Yeah, like, yeah. It was crazy. But, uh, they're in this thing called Ekinkar. It's based out of Minneapolis. And it's like, uh, it's born out of like the 60s revolution. It was the idea of like, it's 13 layers to a reality and you just need to learn how to meditate and you can go all the way through all the layers. Right? Mm. But since it's a cult, there's a living, you know, God type person. But uh, you're not supposed to let people do, really like have their books and stuff like that. So, But they let me like, do a research paper on it for, for school. And so I really got into that, you know? And I met some like meth heads through my job and they're all like, you know, they're like, yeah, man, I do this stuff. And I'm like, oh, yes, sir, man. You know, like crazy, you know, they'd be like, get these oils, you gotta like get the room, get the temperature, you know, get naked, lay on the ground and like do these things. And then I was like, with the Ekin car, I was calling on the Dream Master, 
which for me is like Freddy Cougar, you know? Yeah. <laughs> she like got a chant before you go to sleep so you can like practice her lucid dreaming and write oh, it down. Yeah. I started getting into that, but that was like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there's the, the new meditation is like the corporate thing where it's all like preparing for the worst day of your life. Mm -hmm. You know, you get into that where it's like, it's a really interesting thing that the new like, uh, yeah, I read this book called uh, World of Titans. You know, it was this guy interviewed 200 people from various things that are quote unquote successful. And what it seemed like is everybody meditated, mm. drank tea, and uh, and exercised. I've, that was heard, like the I've thing, heard that. Except yeah. for except for that, uh, who's that guy? All he does is smoke weed. He's like, I got a different kind of weed <laughs> for every grade of process. <laughs> Yeah, who was that? Oh, man. He's a comedian, man. He does all his pothead movies and shit. I can't remember right now. White or black? White guy. White guy. Oh, Seth Rogen? No, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, wait. Yeah. Or, Seth, yeah. I keep wanting to say, like, when people say Seth Rogen, I'd be like Joe Rogan. It pops yeah, in my head yeah, sometimes. He's, He's a comedian and yeah, a pothead, too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now do you see in the future do you want to just keep playing shows forever touring around until you're like you're gonna be out there playing when you're fucking 80 and shit well I've actually gone through a couple periods of my life where I want to quit music yeah what what spawned that well you're an entrepreneur right yeah so you're always on a job right when I was a child I had this fantasy because I'm from Midwest man I'm a Midwest dude you know there's many forms of Midwest, but I'm a Midwest dude and uh, blue collar kind of guy. So I imagined as a child, like my father, like go to work, come home, you work hard, you got your little bit of extra money to play with and you improve the house, you do that, you know, you just like, you live, mm -hmm. right? And the illusion of peace and freedom and safety and all that stuff, right? Uh, so like, there's something in me that has this core of wanting to hang up work on the shelf. But especially since I have children, there's not a moment where if I have a moment where I'm alone, that means I need to go play guitar or book a show yeah, or get ready for a lesson or create a lecture or, you know, like something. I need to be doing something productive every moment. And that time is probably even more valuable now. Oh, yeah. dude, I, but I get more shit done with the constraints. I think limitations are... That's are, good uh, for you. It can be good for you. You yeah. got to not let it It's one of the best ways to learn, too, is yeah. through limit, limit, limitations. So you don't have to think about everything at once. You just think of specific tasks and do them regular. But, uh, yeah, so I always feel like I'm on the job, and that shit gets stressful. You know? It gets stressful. When it's like, well, I could just get into more commodity-based and not as much of an abstract-based business. But my other tastes are kind of specialty tastes anyways, you know, like coffee and yeah. stuff like that. But, you know, coffee is a real money thing if you know how to do it right. Uh... But, you know, I thought about it. It's kind of a, you know, had doubts to it's like all the effort. I never really wanted to be famous, so it wasn't like that type of thing. It was just like there's a lot of nonstop going where it's kind of like if you could be like, you know, well, I do my three months. I work with my boys. We do our songwriting. Then we do a tour for three months. Then we take six months off. And I do this other thing. But no, it's like because I'm a local guy, I play in lots of different groups. And I teach. I do it's a constant, you know, there's always a show I need to be preparing for. Mm -hmm. There's always tunes I need to learn. There's always things I need to be working on just to make myself feel like my chops are where they need to be. 
you know i freestyle rap every day i, I never write verses but i free you know what i'm saying yeah. or like you know anything you know so it's, i want to play drums i want to play keyboard i want to play because it's all a function of the greater thing but then i kept having this realization you know that i can never stop it's uh it's like integrated into my psyche of of what i am i mean would what would you do would you just go crazy you stopped no i'd probably become like a I sometimes I fear I'd become like this like shrewd businessman or something, you know. <laughs> Opposed to this like the antithesis is like how can I lift everybody up through what I do? Like it's it's hard to have ethical business, but if that's my goal is to like relieve pain and lift everybody up then like yeah, there's nothing better than that. Yeah, definitely. You start breaking it down, like why do I really play music? You know? Mm-hmm. A lot of it is that moment. It's like when you go and you're a community of people and music has this synchronicity thing about it with other human beings, you know. We, we, our heart rates can actually get more similar. You know, stuff like you get all science about, but it's about going and having that release where you have that moment. Where well, that's feel, a great way to look at it, too. You feel like, reunited. Other people that might not have looked at it that way, like, might have ended up quitting, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to dig deeper. Like, what is, uh, what, why am I doing this? Why am I doing what, this? What are we here for, you know? There's always you. And right. then the initial, like, oh, guitar is cool. Oh, it's fun to play. And That's then that, like, what initially got you into it. And then, yeah, as you go along, it's like, well, what is what does all this mean? What are we doing yeah, this well, for? And I'll make you you got to have that uh, a deeper meaning behind it yeah. for whatever you're doing, really, I guess. It helps. Definitely. Helps you sleep at night. Yeah, it helps you sleep or not, or it keeps you awake. Yeah, yeah, there's many motivations. You're so busy. <laughs> yeah, there's many motivations and why you do it. But I started to realize what I was trying to do with it. Cause when I was a young kid, I wasn't into the whole famous thing. I was never like, I'm the famous rock star, Kirk Cobain. I mean, I was more like, I'm kicking it with my friends and having a good time. Yeah. But then you want to get good at what you do. So you get good at what well, you do. Well, we played a couple shows, so we're going to get signed pretty soon. Yeah, I never had that <laughs> illusion, you know? Maybe it's, I, I'm not saying that illusion's bad, because that's what gets you there, is wanting, wanting it, right? Mm-hmm. You have to want it to get it there. But I started to realize, like, it was a way for me to be a part of the community and to to help people hopefully and give people the gifts that were given to me through music Mm -hmm. yeah and i heard a i guess you could say it was like a quote or a part of a quote talking about musicians and artists like there's so many more forms of musicians or there's so much more in between of like starving artists and like you know top of the record charts performer you know so much more in between like as far as options and so the way things. people pursue it how you go about it and whatever it's so crazy it's what, crazy you can be a successful ass musician like getting paid selling out shows and it's like i've never heard of you, <laughs> you yeah know? exactly just because you're not like like on top of the charts or whatever kind yeah. of shit but you're still out there killing it in whatever niche or whatever and that's what's so crazy is this that's what i always try to approach things with this old mind because that's what i've been doing on facebook right now and as you see i've been trying to like all the drummers, all the yeah, bass, yeah, yeah. You know, because like, and that's cool too. Yeah, there's yeah. so many times. There's, there's I, was, I kick with these guys. Uh, I did a show with them last night, and they're like, "You ever heard of this guy? He went to your high school, same time <laughs> you did, or whatever. He's like the greatest guy in this whole town ever. You know, like you never heard this guy, and it's like you just you. Some sometimes you're not in bubbles, and I like to pop and jump in, yeah, and experience all variations of human life you can. So it's just so exciting to burst through the bubbles and be like. Oh my gosh, like 
Lap Steel guy, he's killer. Or who's this MC over here? I never knew this guy. Oh, the R&B singer. Oh, wait a second. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. all over the gamut. And Definitely. they're all in the same town. You go to a show and there's like, there's 50 people here that aren't, that don't go to other shows. Because it's a specific genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all, you know. Yeah, yeah. For those who are listening, yeah, he started posting on Facebook, like, name all the local drummers. Go. Name all the local keyboardists and shit. And yeah, I, I read through it a little bit. I was like, I haven't heard of any of these people. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, there's a good amount I have, but then a shit ton that I haven't. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great way to shit. If you, if you need to need a bandmate, just go to his Facebook page. Just well, go, go through these lists. Hey, man. And look for who these people are naming. Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of part of what, like I said, the Unifonics thing. It got me doing a lot of different music, a lot of different opportunities. Started through the jams. So that's that's my thing. I, I hear people come to the jam all the time. And they're like, I can't find a drummer. Dude, I know like this this area is drummer crazy. What kind of drummer do you want? <laughs> you know, you want a church gospel guy? You want a hard rock drummer? You want some, you know, it's like there's a lot of variety of drummers. And everybody says they can't find any. But I'm like, dude, there's like 50 of them. Some of them have other gigs, but like, that's you know you gotta you gotta make people want to play. Yeah, like too, I, I've seen people post like, "Oh, I wish I could start a band, but there's no one here that wants to play the kind of music I do." It's like, yeah, there is. They're out there. You gotta start opening your eyes or something. <laughs> like, yeah, God, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are some like you know there are there's different layers, but there's it, someone for every genre in this town. You know, it's like, don't tell me there's not. <laughs> I always imagine like those guys that are like real metal dudes, you know, that are just like killing it on guitar, sitting at home practicing real hard. And there's like, I'm like wanting to see this guy come out of his basement and come play some music with some people. Cause it would be, there's killer cats everywhere. Yeah. Killer cats everywhere. You know, I always joke that piano players always become accountants, you know, cause like they play when they're three and then they're like, they get real good. And they're just like, Oh, Fuck this music shit, man. I'll go make some money. Yeah. <laughs> you wanna hmm. go? Oh yeah. I think we ran out of video, but okay. that's all right. The audio should still be going if we're lucky. Cool, cool. Unless everything's crashed. I was crashed. gonna say I gotta take a little Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We can wrap it up if you want or you can head on out. But yes. So yeah, I'll keep it busy. If anyone, any artist is out there and needs to go perform a set or anything hit up craig a hyde gherkin and he will get you in at bent river in motherfucking rock island and we're gonna make some sweet jams some sweet fucking music some good times we're gonna get you out there get you in front of all these motherfucking people and we're gonna play some motherfucking music it's gonna be so good w-n-o-j wednesday night open jam Mr. Channel Cat, Craig A. Henderson, Heidgerkin. That's a weird name, Heidgerkin. I have to ask him what that means when he gets back. Heidgerkin. Gherkin is a pickle or something. Hide, hide the pickles? No, that's too inappropriate. I wonder what, what heritage that is. Is that like some kind of fucking Western European bullshit? Some fucking... What the fuck would that be, like... Polish or something weird I don't know It's For someone like me If I run into someone that, ha that has a last name That I have to question Then you know it's fucking crazy So I don't know Well we will find out But who knows Welcome back sir Yeah Oh yeah It's a break when you're watching a podcast It's like we gotta take five minutes Dude the pizza showed up <laughs> The pizza showed up We'll go to commercial <laughs> here for a second I was just talking about 
Heidgerken. What what kind of name is that? It's German. German. Okay. Yeah. It's I guess a northern that, German name. I guess yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I was saying like, man, if I ever, someone like me, if I run into someone that I have to question their last name, it must be intricate or something. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's been like a Swedish last name. I was telling you like, yeah. what is going on here? Yeah, some dude I saw the other day had like some Polish last name. I thought it was like Russian or something. It's like oh uh, yeah. S Y Z. Fucking like how do? Yeah. We, that's not pronounceable, is it? <laughs> well, I've been trying to get in it. I mean, names are something different. I've been trying to get in this whole. It's already out there, but I want to create a streamline for him. I had this I had this vision the other day. Mm-hmm. I was sitting around and I was, you know, you're thinking about. I got childhood, so we like get into you know, history. I haven't been history. I love history stuff. I was thinking about like the arts and like there's this golden age of the arts post World War II. I think it's because there was funding for it from the federal government, but mm. that's just my personal, you know. Uh, made a lot of money. Uh, but th- that's only like time in like Western culture and a lot of cult, you know, where there was art was this big explosion, music was this big, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just interesting, and people could make money on it. Because I mean, you think about if you just talk classical. Those those guys were broke. All the famous classical guys you know died broke. Jazzers died broke. Most of them, you know. Mm-hmm. Even like R and B art, you know, a lot of people, just, you know, they get screwed, and that's people don't want to pay for the arts. They just want to make money off the arts, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a really interesting thing, you know, making money and surviving and dealing with that psychological thing of like your worth and value compared to what art and your creation of things that last forever. Mm-hmm. potentially are and so I was thinking about that like oh uh, you know people dedicate their lives to singular task yeah and my singular task I think would be rewriting the English language so you know, you have like phonetics but like have a symbol for every sound mm-hmm. right it may already be out there somebody probably already did this shit maybe but like you know instead of having PHs have Fs instead of having three different A sounds or whatever three different symbols for A sounds so you don't have to, uh, so there's no question. I'm teaching my daughter how to read stuff, and it's like, these words don't make sense, man. That would probably help <laughs> someone who, like, is trying to learn English because it's not their first language. You know, dude, English is, such, like, it's the most fucky language ever. It's crazy. Because of, like, the figures of speech and all this and that and all, yeah, the different words spelled the same. Yeah. So, like, Get rid of all that. So, dude. That'd be my singular task in life. They, well, we won't go metric, so I don't know if they do that with English. But. <laughs> I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, we are all so lucky that English is a language we can speak like, yeah. and understand somehow. Like, like, humor can transcend barriers, but some of it's hard Like when it comes to like, weird expressions and shit like that. It's like, what the fuck are you saying? But The singular test, I like, give up on everything. Give up on everything, but... You know, maintaining survival and working on the English language. There you go. We don't want to take a year, probably. We think a year? A year. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to go through every word. You just got to create new rules. Yeah. And then you hire some intern to do the rest. Fuck with the alphabet a bit. You could do it in a year, I bet. That's going to need a lot of marketing to get it out. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not an academic, so it'd be a hard road. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm not a road scholar over here. You're still young. There's plenty of time. Plenty of time. (laughs) Plenty of time. It's life's work. The new alphabet. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you've played, so like you play like rock and shit, and you played in like a hip hop band, jazz band. What other genres of music have you played in or do play in right now? Well, I always, 
I'd, I think I'd go back to my greater philosophy of, of me, you know, I try not to be too much of a, de, a de, you know, deconstructionist or, mm. you know, like, you know, distill things to singular objects. I do it. I try not to. But uh, I just have a very, through what I define as like a, a jazz philosophical way uh, of looking at music, you know, where you're approaching it with this level of, of trying to understand the system of music so you can operate within it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, music is an, no, you know, it's an RL thing. It's a language, right? Mm-hmm. So when I think about music, I try to break it down to like, okay, we got music. It's, it's the language. And now we have dialects of the language. So you can talk country. It's the same system. You just have to learn how to talk country. You gotta have the rhythms, be country. You know, the vocabulary, which is the phrases or licks. You try to get those down and then incorporate the actual feel, which is the hardest part, right? Like you can play the blues, you can play all the notes, but you gotta make it feel like the blues. Mm-hmm. That's why people play blues their whole life. It's cause they like, they feel it, they got it. It's in their bones, you know? It's the joke you can't take the jazz, you know, can't take the, you can't take the jazz out, can't take the jazz out of a jazz player, you know, if he's playing the blues. But, so I look at it as like diet, 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 dialects. So it's all based in the same system. You just have to learn how to speak the specific way. I can talk like I got some kind of southern draw or, you know, whatever thing you want to do, you know, whatever dialect you want to mess, Boston, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You just got to do that with music. So I'm a, I love genres. It's a really interesting thing because, you know, genres are like, you know, codified because it's a unique expression that's accepted and then like a larger group has invested in it, right? Uh, you know, sometimes those around cultural boundaries, you know, or not, you know, so there's historical values to, to the genres, you know. Some people are like, you can't play Latin music unless you play Latin music and you can feel it, you, you know, like you have to be able to feel it to have the feel right. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just kind of like doing a generic version of mm-hmm. it, you know. I can get behind that, you know, it's a feel, it's really important. Definitely. Uh, but it doesn't mean I can't dabble and uh, and try to experiment playing around, speaking another dialect. There's value to any genre, I can live behind that. If it's defined as something, there's probably something of value in it. Now 99% of the rest in that genre could be not very good. But it has a definable characteristic that's unique, so there must be some innate quality that gave it birth. Mm-hmm. You know, so that way I can look at all these things with more openness, and then yeah. I can explore those things with more openness. Because I'm not sure. I I hear a track, and I'm at a restaurant, and I hear a track, and all of a sudden I'm like, I, I think I'm just going to become a Latin percussionist. <laughs> hey, yeah. or I'm like, I hear like this crazy metal, so I'm like, oh my god, wouldn't it be awesome to play like classical <laughs> metal shred and be like, man, mm-hmm. I heard this hip hop song, you know, like, because it's so exciting. You know, I always think art is a collection of an individual's experiences put into, with intention, put into something, and whatever the the intention is, what makes it art. So. I grew up listening to, you know, I went to a lot of quinceañeras and that kind of stuff, you know, and so I, I, I always got a soft spot for like cumbia and stuff like, you know, northern kind of Mexico yeah, kind of yeah. music and stuff, you know, some of mariachi, more polka-y kind of stuff. 
uh, I, that's in my soul a little bit, you know? And then, you know, I'm Quad Cities too, so there's always blues in there, you know? So like, you get all these vibes from your life and then you put those into something new. Mm-hmm. And then that is your art, is like it's your experiences shared with the world, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's my vision of an artist, you know? Yeah. There's people that are, people that preserve art, you know, your Witten, your Witten Marcellus of the world is like, this is what jazz is. And mm. If you're not playing this, this isn't jazz. Yeah. Opposed to like, jazz is anything you want to be. Just like rock kind of is. There's loose guidelines, but you know, but the, mm. you need the purists. Yeah. But I'm not, I, I try not to live like that. I try to live the individual life. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to look art. at it. Very, got to come at it very open. Yeah. Is there anything you haven't ever dabbled in? Well, I just started playing more country type stuff. Yeah. Because I started playing, I got asked to play with the bees, my wife's band with okay. Aaron Moore. And, oh, yeah. And uh, Esme and uh, Mr. Andy Ross from Candy Makers on Drums. So I got to play with them, and they do like a folky and some rocky. Kind of, they do kind of some different feels and stuff. But uh, Sean Ryan recorded on their album, and he's got, kind of got a country thing sometimes to him. And, just listen to it, it's like, oh, this is dying to have some, you know? <laughs> so I've been dabbling in, in, in that. So that's been kind of fun. You know, jet, you know, the jazz language, not as a philosophy, but as a language, the vocabulary is always something to be worked on. But uh, no, last week I wrote a little like uh, Arabian medley kind of groove, mm-hmm. you know? It's also got groove, I like yeah. it. Which is why I like Latin, and sweet, you know, it's groove music. But, uh, yeah, so that yeah, I don't know. I just had this thing today, getting the idea of drunk drums, right? Drunk drums. You know, it's like the idea of like what Jay Dilla created, right? You know, the producer Jay Dilla. Mm-hmm. The way he did his sampling and everything, you know, drummers reacted to hip hop, right? And humans started to recreate the electronic drums, right? And there was sometimes glitches if you're talking more, you know, the way people put samples together. So or things are counted a little different, you know? So to recreate that, musicians had to play like that and count differently and do these types of things. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fun. So I've been thinking about, which makes it kind of sound awful sometimes, but it's like a like a sample would if it's got a slight little yeah, tweak yeah. to it. But if you can do that consistently as a human being, I just heard a track today when I was out eating some Thai food, and it was like, the, the drums like slowed down mm. on beat, like two and four of the second bar. So I've you know, I had to slow down yeah, in the song. Yeah, it's like yeah. classical music does that, but there's no like music with drums that really does that. Mm. Or wait, is there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's real sick. It's like somebody's always drunk. Now if you did that once, somebody would be like, you're playing out of time, but you do it every time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And now it's music. John Cage just played the same thing over and over again. People eventually learn to love it. Because there's, what, it takes like 16 repetitions or something for it to become. That may be a false fact. Yeah. 98% of statistics. <laughs> <laughs> we got to pull up these here online real quick. They're going to have to fact check. Exactly. <laughs> now, you seem to have a pretty open view of music and everything, genres. Was it that way all your life as a kid even? No, or did you, so. did you start in a, like maybe when you first started playing music, were you limited wow. to certain types or I think a lot of it has to do with uh where I where I grew up. 
you know yeah being a cracker you know i just think uh for me, it's always been like, uh, I've always found people's group identities really interesting, you know, because who I am as an individual living in America. Uh, and I've always just really been drawn to people and not sameness and differentness. And uh, and I really think it has to come through like, you know, I think everybody when they're like a preteen and like me, I didn't have anybody in my family pushing me musically, like with influencing my musical taste. Mm -hmm. Some people I know they like, they love their big brother's music and they get into it and they're young. And they're like, or like my daughter who's like six and already making her own music or something crazy like that. Uh, you know, cause she's hearing us playing music and having it on all the time. So she's gonna be influenced. Nobody was directing me. So I'd be listening to Mexican music, be listening to, uh, you know, regulators, I mean, you know, all that kind of, st you know, stuff, bone thug, yeah, all that kind of. It's just a variety because it was like everybody I was hanging out with you know polkas you know crazy so like because i watched all this and i didn't have anybody guiding me i was just kind of like, oh this is cool we're here i'm hanging out with all these people you know this is a cool thing it's yeah it's cool music you see trumpet players or you see you know all different kinds of stuff so i think it stems from that as a preteen you're like oh i know what good music is <laughs> you know what I mean? because like because you're doing the process that all humans have to do which is that battle that every parent has to deal with which is like when you have a a non-reliant individual in your life and then when they start to define themselves as an individual they start to create this barrier to create who they are as an individual because they need to leave the nest the mm -hmm. fledging period of humans is a lot longer than birds yeah but it's a fledging period you know where you have to define yourself and pull away from the power structures that define who you are to create your own identity yeah. so you jump into your, your peer group and you jump in, you're like, the we know what good music is. And that's when people sometimes for the rest of their life will listen to that same music. Some people argue that that age you're so susceptible to identity that that's the music you will listen to and like the rest of your life, which is real scary for me because it was like grunge. Yeah. I like my grunge shit, but like, oh, man. you know, but it's like <laughs> what it is. It's not a phase, mom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I was just talking to this dude I work with. He's over 40. And he, we were talking about the whole idea of uh, it, people reaching a certain age, and it's like after a certain age, they're not going to look for any more new music. They're just set in their ways. And he was like, fuck that shit. You know, he's still looking for new music. You know, it depends on the person, I guess. Some people are just like, I don't know. Well, most conversation we had earlier about uh, there's individuals that are seekers, and there's individuals that it's like, I, I know what I like. And I don't need to like anything else because they it's have. It's like I like. get that they got a good formula that works for them. That's mm -hmm. great, but it's like, man, I would really hate it. <laughs> I would too. Like I like so many different kinds of music, but if I took any one of those, all right, you gotta listen to this for the rest of your life. I'd be like, fuck, kill me. <laughs> well, I always wonder if that you know, I start to get into a factor of like the people who push genres, because I'm a musician. A lot of things peer through that lens, right? Mm -hmm. Like Crystal, and so it's like. There's people that want to change the future and there's people that want to preserve and create tradition and preserve that so that, and that's important. Both are important, you know? Right. John Coltrane going crazy was important. Yeah. People didn't like that. 50% of people would leave his shows when he came out with his new sound, you know? And now everybody's like, this is legendary, you yeah. know? It's like back in the day, people are like, fuck this guy. So what the fuck is he doing, you know? Cause he was pushing it and people were like, that's not jazz. However much I don't like that idea of saying that's not jazz or you can't do hip hop or 
that's not rock music that's not real metal that's you know what you're not real punk rock you're not punk rock the art is the intention you know what i'm saying yeah. so it's like but you still need those people to be like in my worldview you need those people to be like no this is our defining characteristics we have to put these in books and put it in a collection so that we can go back mm. in case we misstep or forget something in the jazz world there's the idea that like the old way that people learned and the new way people learn jazz mm. you know there's two Maybe. different philosophies you can go back and check out what the original guys how they learned opposed to how people are taught now and they're both different but have value to me yeah you the history of jazz would be an interesting oh, rabbit so hole to go down to so sad but it's so great too that's a crazy st- type of music like like everyone regards it that way like ooh jazz that's some weird serious shit like well, I think it's an interesting thing because it was poppy type thing, you know, and then people decided to define it a little bit different and took a different pride in it. It takes a high caliber to be really good, but that's why I call myself back alley jazz, you know, because like, yeah, I did, you know, a few years in school with some okay teachers. Not to, I love them all hard. They're big sweeties ever, but like, you know, they're not like I was learning for Herbie Hancock or something, you know, like went to Berkeley or something. So I'm like back alley jazz, you know. I think that's an interesting thing in the jazz world is there is a level you have to hit now mm-hmm. where it's like then you can be like authenticated as having a label. And my whole worldview is not that. that you Other people will define you. I'm going to play jazz. I don't care. I'm going to play the tunes because that's what I think. It's the vocabulary. It's the tunes. It's the intention of the art. You mm-hmm. know. So, yeah, I just, uh, it's, it's really interesting. It is a, it is a tough music. Because it takes a lot of listening and playing and understanding, but then again, I'm on the same thing. And when I listen to like Jimmy McGriff, or like some of the stuff that all them great bait break beats, you know, Grant Green and stuff was, these guys were just jamming, and they were just doing what we do in the Quad Cities mm-hmm. or anywhere. They get together with some guys and they play, they create some songs, they go to the studio. They weren't like most of them weren't banking. They were have family doing their thing you know what i'm saying like they're yeah. living everyday lives but when we peer it through the lens of a historical thing it's like this i'm big on that you get the fantasy world of like oh artistry oh it's like no these dudes are just like everybody else in this town i mean some of them are like extremely stellar musicians that change the face of music yeah you know some made money but a lot of times it was just people you know working their people and we can go have the same shared experience of community growth and everything. Boom, right in your backyard. Oh yeah. Five dollars. Five dollars. <laughs> or maybe no dollars. I'm still They're selling really- it. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, well, I'm gonna have to wrap. All this right, up, we're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna wrap it up with. Yes, sir. Well, let me just tell everybody something for a second here, because uh, it's about. I felt like the jam was part of the reason why you invited me over here. Cause you know we have connection through there and all that stuff. Yes, sir. That's how you build connections, and uh, and that's what I really want to push about the whole jam thing is, I bring food for a reason, you know. Cause when there's food and I call it grown folk party. When there's food, the whole environment. It's a you're getting over that survival and brings people together. Breaking breaking bread is the best way to bring people together. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more than I want than a place where, like you were talking about earlier, certain people go to certain venues because that's where they feel comfortable. I'm trying to blow that shit out the water. 
I don't like want to be in a monoculture world. I want to have a variety of people who can interact, maybe meet a new bandmate, maybe meet a new friend, maybe jam for the first time. I've seen people go to a jam, stand up and sing in front of people for the first time, and four years later are playing in one of the top bands in the state. Because they went to a jam, and then they met a guy who met a guy or a girl and a girl. And the, it happens every day. If it's a good jam, they're cultivating well, that good energy, and yeah. then they're just feeling it, and they get up there, and then one thing leads to another. Four years later, shit. Four years later, you're rocking shows all the time, playing at the Ingler or, you know, whatever. So it's about bringing people together. Audience is always 50% of the crowd, 50% of the show, you know what I'm saying? It's mm -hmm. about the audience, it's about the members, it's about the mixing of everybody. It's my dream. It's my dream is bringing people together so we Forget. can have a few moments where we can, like, not have anxiety and stress and just feel connected. Community motherfuckers. Community Ever heard motherfuckers. of it? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being here, sir. Oh, thank you for bringing me yes, in. Yes, yes, Mr. Craig A. Heidgerkin, Channel Cats. <laughs> what are the other bands you're in right now? Tell Songbird Jazz Quartet, The Bees, The Uniphonics Place from Time Again. I do a trio with Kellen Myers and his little brother. And then... Uh, Every once in a while, I get to do fun things like last night where I'd get throw together a smooth Ooh. jazz band out the blue with some stellar cats. Where's Julian Sam Magnus Hotel? Nice. Uh, you know, it's just some cats. And I'm always doing pickup gigs and weird stuff like that, too. For those who are listening, how can they get a hold of you or we'll find out more? Can if they want to look into the open mic jam. You can always check it out on, of course, the Book of Faces, yes. the Channel Cats Band. You can always hit me up, Craig Hydegerkin. There's about four of us in the world. So make sure there you find me. Craig, Craig A. A. Hyde Craig A. Well, you know, it's that whole, like, you put a middle initial, you look smarter. Yeah. But, you know. He's official. <laughs> he's like, a, is he an author or something? Exactly. It's like, no, he just <laughs> reads. Um, yeah, you can hit me up on Facebook. You can email me, craigielovemusic at gmail. We can have fun together. Yes, yes. Bent River, Rock Island, WNOJ. Sounds like a radio station. WNOJ. Wednesday night, open jam. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hit it up. Let's do it. Let's make some music. Have some good time. Build some community, motherfuckers. All right. Well, peace out. Goodbye. Until next time. So long. <laughs>